I have been <clears throat> studying, you may think I have forgotten, but I have not. Every week I've studied Matthew 21 and 22, and John 14 through 17. I also have been getting into Matthew 23 and 24 and 25. But I've been studying this every single week. And every single week, something greater, more, more blessed, beautiful, I see in the scriptures. And I got something to share with you uh, that my wife shares with me all the time. I, I hear it once, twice a week. And she will talk about where something is. I'm looking for something in the refrigerator, you know. And of course, I'm not five foot two. So bending down and looking low isn't my favorite thing to do. And so I look for things in the refrigerator. She'll say something is in there. And I'll say, I can't find it. And do you know what she says? It's not going to jump out at you. You ever hear that before? It's not going to jump out at you. Or if I'm in the closet, where you said this was, a, it's not going to jump out at you. You don't know how many times I'm sitting there and just waited. You know, she's right. It's not going to jump out at me. <laughs> I don't, how, how did she know that? I've waited and waited for things to jump out at me and they don't jump out at me. Well, the scriptures are like that. You know, if you say, Pastor said that, I don't see that. Well, it's not going to jump out at you. You know, search for him as gold and silver. All right, search for him. Uh, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law, it says. And that's in uh, Psalm 119. 176 verses, 173 verses say something about the word of God. Boy, did he, I don't know if he expected that to happen when he prayed that. That's in verse 16. It's like, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And so if, if you read Psalm 119, if you can think of something else about the word of God after that, after he's written that, David, uh, tell me what you, what you got, okay? But... Uh, you know, it, it, the parables, Jesus spoke in parables. And many times the crowds would leave and they didn't have, they were like clueless. They didn't know he was speaking in parables. I mean, they knew he was speaking in parables. Then the disciples would come to him and say, why do you speak to them in parables? Let me, in, let me give you a translation or interpretation of that. What did you mean by that? They didn't know either. They didn't know what it meant either. And he answers the question. It is not given to them to know the secrets and mysteries of the kingdom of God. So who is it given to know the mysteries and the kingdom of God? The ones that come and say, what did you mean by that? I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. And so I have never, it never ceases to amaze me that I'll see something in, in the scripture I didn't see before. There are many, you know, open the hearing ear. Give me a hearing ear so I can hear you. 
You know, Jesus said when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. We say that in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Except, not, 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 you know, I don't want me involved in that, you know. Don't, tell, don't do things like tell me what to do. That's one problem with Americans. They don't like to be told what to do. I've always regarded myself as a really great American in that regard. <laughs> I, I did not, I didn't, when I was in the military, I did not like being told what to do. Did you know they tell you what to do at least 50 times a day? And I've, I've learned at least 49 ways to get out of that. That's 50th is the hard one. We used to say, now this was during the Vietnam War, so there was attitude problems in the military, and I had one, royally attitude problem. But we, we used to say the definition of the military is the, un, the unwilling to be led by the unqualified to do the unnecessary for the ungrateful. The unwilling led by the unqualified. Those are the officers, by the way. We have one in this congregation. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You know, I, I think it's amazing how God can do such magnificent things. For example, I got in lots of trouble when I was in the military. They didn't like me. And that, for good reason, believe me, let me tell you. They had really good reason to not like me, you know. I look back on me, and I don't even like me. So, so that happened. So since I've been out of the military, the Navy, I have at Teen Challenge gone to 29 Palms to help with a revival meeting. 29 Palms is a Marine base. You know, you know sailors and Marines. You know, they don't, even though the Marines are a branch of the Navy, it's the, they don't like that branch. But I always got in trouble, you know. I, I tried to get a tax relief thing for combat, but they wouldn't accept the things, the times that I had fights with Marines as combat. And I said, they're tougher than the enemy. What are you talking about? Those Marines are tough, some of them. Some of them not so much. But I know I love the Marines now a lot. But, uh, you know, and I, but uh, there was that time, you know. And so I'm in 29 Palm. As a Teen Challenge member, I stayed in the staff sergeant's house. A Marine staff sergeant, that's where I stayed. A fellow brother in the Lord. Hallelujah. At that time, I didn't have the nerve to tell him my background. Because I thought, if I do, I'm going to have to look for someplace else to stay for the night, you know. But I'm in his home, you see. And things like that have been happening to me. You know, Rick Walsh, and I, he's, he's the, the officer and we're very close. And not only was he an officer, he's in the army. Boy, you know what the army, you know what's the difference between the army and the Boy Scouts is? The army has heavy weaponry and the Boy Scouts have adult supervision. <laughs> Sorry, that's that attitude joke again. Uh, so listen, I get out. I'm, I'm at a meeting with Colonel Merle Allender. Colonel Merle Allender, he's a Marine pilot, all right? I said, I went up to him and I said, Colonel, 
uh, I went to Portsmouth Navy Penitentiary. And he goes, hi, he comes over and he gives me a bear hug. And then I said, I'd love to go back and, and preach there or, or tell, you know, talk to him about attitude problems. And he says, I'll go with you. A colonel in the Marine Corps. Wow. We had a, a day of prayer at, over at Main Street Baptist and we had, to, we had a general come. A general come from, the, I think, uh, the, one of the bases at Rome. And he prayed over the militaries. Beautiful prayer, beautiful prayer. After the service is over and we're all mingling and talking, he walks over and says, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no, I'm sorry I don't. He says, you baptized me in Lake George. I baptized a general. Wow, that's pretty cool. And it's just amazing how close I am to military. I go to the VA hospital all the time and I'm always thanking them for their service. And it's just, I, I just love them. I love everybody in the military. And they're special to me. And um, so anyway, that's what God can do. Who would have ever thought, or my mother used to say, who would have ever thunk? Your, your mother ever say that to you? Am I the only one? I lived in the South. We thunk a lot, you know. So she says, who would have ever thunk? And she was a college graduate, too. <laughs> In the South, though, in the South. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Amen. But who would ever, you know, that, that, I, if, you, if you haven't been in the military, you don't understand how uh, that's not possible. You know, one of my favorite TV series was JAG and then NCIS and never miss a, miss a thing, you know. I got busted by NCIS and I still love them. <laughs> You know, I was in trouble. I told you, I'm not even going to go to the details of that. And you're saying, oh boy, that was a great sermon. Hallelujah, let's go. Let's, we're going to look at Matthew 21. And uh, we're going to start at the first and we'll get as far as we can. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And before we start, I want you to be looking for something. If you've studied this, I don't think, I, I don't know how you could study it without saying, how did Pastor Don get that from that? And I'll say, well, one thing, it isn't going to jump out at you. The other thing is from years of studying something and it just getting things over the years. And there's something here that's happening. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. You know? So anyway, there's something happening. And in the Word of God, there is in these two chapters... A great transition. The transition is from Israel to the Gentiles. And the transition has basically four themes to it. And they're all inextricably entwined. And they all are, re- you're required to go back and know Old Testament stuff, things about the festivals. And especially things in the New Testament that's about it. Because there's amazing things in this. And the four things is, you will see the return of the priesthood to the believer. And when I say return, is because it was lost. It, It was originally, there's two things. One was understood that when Satan says to um 
serpent, I mean, when Jesus, when, when, the God, when God says to the serpent that a seed's going to come from a moment and crush your head, that was understood by, from, for a long time, that a child was going to be born of woman and he was going to crush Satan's head. And part of that, that's one of the themes, is crushing Satan's head. That's one of the themes that is referred to in Matthew 21 and 22. And so, but the other thing that is referred to is the return of the priesthood. And this is what they also understood. That was even understood when they came out of Egypt, that the firstborn would be that person that would represent the family and represent all the believers in the temple or in the tabernacle of Moses in the priesthood. They were going to be the priest. But because of things that happened when the golden calf was made and Moses comes back and says, who's on the Lord's side? The Levites came forward and the firstborn that were pat was passed over in Egypt will be passed over again. Only this time, they're going to be passed over for the priesthood. But that goes all the way back to the very beginning. You know, the first person that was born of woman was Cain. And the devil thought, this is the guy. This is what, this is what the, the was saying. He says, I'm going to get him. He says, I'm going to disqualify him from being able to do that. So you know the story, Cain brought something, Abel brought, the second born, brought a better offering, a a more proper offering. Abel brought the first fruits. Cain brought something else. And then it upset Cain that God had respect to Abel's offering and not to Cain, so Cain killed Abel. And so this is Satan working his little plan I'm going to not only disqualify Cain, but I'm going to get rid of Abel too. And so what he got Cain to do was would disqualify him from stepping on Satan's head. And so what is he, you know, what there's something that begins at this point is called the Passover. You see, God passes over the firstborn. Ishmael is the firstborn from uh, Abraham. God passes over the firstborn. You know, Esau's firstborn of Jacob. God passes over the firstborn. Then he passes over, in a good way, the firstborn in Egypt from death. But they don't come across the line when he says, who's on the Lord's side? So God passes over the firstborn. You know, and then to the Levites. Well, here's something that's happening right here. The Levites are the priest. In these in these two chapters... And God's passing over the Levites for the firstborn that is going to crush Satan's head. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see these things, the the return of the priesthood. Bah, but the return of the priesthood to us. But why? Because, see, we have a high priest that is passed into the heavenlies. Jesus Christ is our high priest, according to Hebrews 4. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And because we have a high priest, and I love that. 
He's not only touched with our infirmities, he's touched with the feelings of them. You know, I have different feelings from you. You have feelings about things that I don't even, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Why should that bother you? I have different feelings. This bothers me a lot. You would look at me and say, why does that bother you? I have, we all have different feelings. And Jesus is touched, was touched with every single solitary one of those. And because he's can touch, he can do something that is going to be or is our job. And it is starting now, not our job to take it away from him, but our job under him as our high priest. And what is that job? Is to intercede for the brokenhearted, to heal those that are bruised. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Jesus said that. It was about Jesus. But you see, Jesus, you know when it says, when he says here, I'm going to give you a name, a new name to, to, to Jesus. He says, I'm giving you a new name. <laughs> he was Lord of Lords. He was King of Kings. You know, Jesus said, I was in heaven when we kicked Satan out. I was there. He, he was part of the kicking Satan out of heaven. He was King of Kings. He was Lord of Lords. He was creator of the whole world. He's the word of God that was made flesh. He is the word of God. What name could he have after the resurrection that he never had before? Well, to only understand what name he had is you'd have to understand something that didn't exist before. And you know what didn't exist before the resurrection? The body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we are the ones that are going to be the priest that step on Satan's head. We are collectively the body. You see, when you step on somebody's head, it's your foot. Your foot is connected to your body. And you see, we are the body. So Jesus, it says, and I, you know, I've, I've, I pointed this out before. Some of you never heard it. Jesus kicked, you know, Satan out of heaven. Jesus came to earth and kicked Satan behind on earth. Now, anybody said, well, did he say that? Well, you read 78 and it says he smote him in his hinder part. If you think that's nicer, I will say, Jesus kicked him in his hinder part. He smote him. Jesus, you know, says, have you come to persecute us through the, from before the time? Thousand demons were thrown into pigs and they fled and drowned themselves in the, in the, in the lake. You know, you know <laughs> my first testimony that I gave was at a Baptist lunch, pastor's luncheon. And I, and I made comment that I, when I got saved, a thousand pigs took off running for the ocean. And they all laughed. And after I was all through, a, a pastor came up and said he would pay my way through seminary. And uh, I feel like the guy that was, his friend made millions of dollars in the numbers big in Chicago. And so they're writing letters there. He's from the South and he's writing letters back and forth. And the guy knows his letters are being looked at. So he writes his friend back and he says, there's so much money in Chicago, it's falling off the trees. And the guy doesn't know that's a metaphor. 
So he goes up to Chicago and he's walking along and he stands up and he looks up and underneath this tree, a $50 bill comes down. Lands on the floor. Lands up and he says, I'll pick you up tomorrow. I ain't going to work on my first day in Chicago. That's where all three stooges would die for the $50 bill if you, if you ever watched them. You know? Yeah. I don't, why did you make me tell that? So anyways, okay, you got the four themes. The priesthood. You want to read about the priesthood? Read 1 Peter 2, chapter 2. It not only talks about the priesthood, the other thing, the body of Christ. You know, we are the priesthood under Christ. You know, nearly, I'd say about 80% of the time when Kermit prays for Israel, and we always pray for Israel, the peace of Israel. It says pray for the peace of Israel. There's still a thing, you bless, bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. God still has this relationship going with Israel. He hasn't completely turned his back on them. He only turned them back on for that 70th week, which we'll talk about another time. Okay, but he's not really turned his back on them. He's coming back for Israel someday. Uh, I'll tell you what, I want to be on the right side of that. We're going to be in the clouds. You You know, when he talks about he comes in the clouds, we are the cloud. That's right. That's when he says in 12, yeah, 12, cha- 12 chapter of Hebrews, whereby uh, given unto us exceeding great and precious, oh, excuse me, that's a different one. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that I, he says, because of this great cloud of witnesses. He's talking about all the guys in Hebrews 11. That's a great cloud. We're, go- we're going to be the great cloud that comes back for Israel with Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, we're the cloud. Hallelujah. You think, you, you think the cloud is information you send in your computer. You know, that ain't the cloud. We're the cloud. We're the body that's going to crush his head. Jesus crushed his head on earth. It says through the cross, he destroyed the, him that had the power of death. That is the devil. So at the cross, he destroyed him. Okay. In the resurrection, he destroys him. In the resurrection, the he shows he is the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, in heaven with Satan, on earth with Satan, in the crucifixion with Satan, in the resurrection with Satan. There's one place he's got yet to do it. Because you see, he has a new body. And it's not, he, he has, do you know in heaven, he's still got that hole in his side? Hole in his hands? You know, he's, he's got, he's going to have that. But he has another body. It's us. It's us. And you see, there's one thing that's left to be done. You know why I know it has yet to be done? It could be done today. It could happen right now. Jesus could come back. No man knows the hour or the day. Nobody. It could be right now. But I know that unless it happens right now, there is something that has not happened right now. And there are a few statements that he says, prophecies that are going to happen. But one of them is, sit here, and you find that in Hebrews. You can find it in Peter. You can find it in Psalm 118. Sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. 
God made Jesus' enemy his footstool when he was in heaven, when he was on earth, when he was through the crucifixion, when it was through the resurrection. There's one thing left yet to be done, and that's when we, as his body, step on Satan's head. When we, as his body, are understanding our responsibilities as the priesthood. Now, here's one of the things that I've just been shook with over uh, in Matthew 21 and 22. There are three major parables where Jesus is telling them why you have, uh, God is taking the blessing away from you to represent him on the earth and giving it to the Gentiles. Three parables. And all three parables are pretty strict. One parable is the parable of the two sons. He says there's two sons. And he's talking to the, the priests there and the, and the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious order is there. And he says, you know, there were two sons. He says to this son, son, I want you to go and do this for me. The father says it. And the, and the son says, no, I'm not. I won't do it. And then he leaves and gets thinking about it. And then he goes and does the will of the father. Then there's the, the son that says, I go, sir. And he doesn't go. And he looks at them and says, who did the uh, will of the father? Well, the first son did. He says, yeah. And then he says something like, yeah, the, the sinners, the publicans, the drunkards, you know, they will see the kingdom of God before you. Because it's like the Gentiles will be the ones that say, I won't go, but we will. Hello? Now, if he took it away from them, do you think he won't take it away from us? Too much knowledge is much responsibility. You think you can't lose it? Now, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about losing what the call of God is and the purpose of God on your life. You see, God took it away from them and gave it to us. If we don't understand the ramifications of that, if we don't understand the, the overwhelming magnitude of that, how important that is, and if we don't realize that we've been given something that is really special. And you know what the priest is given, like I said, uh, 80% of the time. Kermit will make reference to a scripture in the Bible. Maybe some of you didn't even know it was a scripture. Maybe you didn't understand it. He says, may we make up the hedge. Make up the hedge. Put up, uh, excuse me, Ezekiel 22, verse 30. I want to show you this. Make, huh? Ezekiel 22, verse 30. Uh, we'll get back to Bethphage in a minute. Bethphage means house of unripened grapes. Wonder why it means that. Okay, Matthew, uh, excuse me. Ezekiel, there it is. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. You know, back in those days, a lot of times for walls, to, for protection, they'd grow, make, grow these hedges. Man, talk about getting hard getting through those. It's a, should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. And you hear Kermit say that all the time. Stand in the gap. What is he doing? What we, when we're praying for prayer requests, 
We're praying. We're being priests unto God. You see, we should be praying for this country. We should be interceding for this country. I mean, you know, somebody says, if God doesn't judge this country, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the things I've been hearing and seeing lately, I, I really get it. All right? But what, what did he do? When I just read about this, by the way. I was reading about this. Abraham. He says, I'm going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to destroy it. He says, well, what if there's 50 righteous people in the land? Would you destroy? Would, would you want to destroy that and the 50 righteous people too? He says, for the sake of 50 people, I won't destroy it. He says, well, what, about, what if there's just 10? And he starts getting them down, you know. Do you know what Abraham is doing? He's being a priest. He's standing in the gap. He's making up the hedge. He's trying to stand. Moses did the same thing. God, if you destroy those people, do you know what they're going to say back in Egypt? They're going to say that you only let them out just to destroy them. And God backs off. And so we are supposed to stand between this nation. I love America. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But I'll tell you something. There's some, there's some bad things going on in this country. Bad things. There's some bad things going on in this world. And we have a responsibility to make up the hedge. To stand in the gap. To stand between the wrath of God and those people. And we would say, Lord, if there's just 50. Lord, bring down revival to them. Show them the way. And there's going to be a great polarization. It's like the best of times, the worst of times. There's going to be a great polarization in this country. And there's the, 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 the church is going to move toward God. And the p- people are going to move to more and more evil ways. And it's going to come a time when people are going to kill you and be convinced that they do God a favor. If we don't start interceding for our children and our children's children, it's going to get nasty. It's going to get wicked. We have a priesthood job. It says what it is. In First Peter chapter 2, it talks about the body of Christ. It talks about the stone the builders rejected. And Jesus is saying to those Israel, you are the builders and I am the stone that's been rejected. And I'm going to become the headstone of the corner of the temple. But you know what? It isn't you and it isn't that temple. It's going to be a temple made of living stones. That's us. And do you know what it says there? In, 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 in uh, Ephesians second chapter, that we are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Can you get that? We're supposed to be a habitation of God. You know, we don't have to go- ask God to come down. God is in us. 
That's why he says, say not, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above? Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again up from the dead? What saith it? The word is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. You see, we are the body, we are the temple, we are the living temple, we are the living stones. Because Jesus is the cornerstone. You can see that in Matthew in Psalm 118. You can see it right here in Psalm 21. Yeah, I mean Matthew 21. You can see it in 1 Peter. And in the same place where he's talking about the living stones, he talks about the priesthood. The priesthood. We, most of us are like, what? Does that mean I'm going to have to wear a robe? No. No, we're talking about function responsibility. James says, Be not many masters, for they shall receive the greater condemnation. Now that's not the condemnation for sin. That's the condemnation for not being responsible. If you're going to be a teacher and you're going to know stuff, there's a greater responsibility. If there's any reason for you to leave this church, it would be for that reason. Get out of here because by the time I get through, you're going to know your responsibilities and you're going to be held accountable for it. Oh, that's harsh. Well, me too. How do you think I feel? I feel like a great responsibility is on our shoulders because the priesthood has been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm a priest unto God. And what does it say? We're a royal priesthood. I'm not just a priesthood. I'm a, we're royal, I mean, kingly. Who's the king? You know, we think king of kings. All the kings of the earth. Jesus is the king of kings. No. Yes and no. Mostly no. No, we're the kings. I'm the king. You're the king. He's the king of kings. You see, we're the living stones. He's the lively stone. So we have a a royal priesthood, a kingly priesthood, a holy nation. We're a holy people, sanctified by God, sanctified by the Holy Ghost, sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Sanctified means set apart. I am set apart. I'm a royal priesthood. That I should what? A peculiar people. Yeah. Well, that has two meanings. One is the one we think of when we think of somebody that's peculiar, you know. I know I'm peculiar. But I love the real meaning of that. It means, I'm, if you read other translations, it's a people of his own. I'm owned by God. I'm one of his emissaries. I'm one of his ambassadors. I am owned by God. I do not own. It is, it is he that hath made me. And not we ourselves. We are his people. We are his creation. I am his clay. I'm the clay. He's the potter. I'm owned by God. I'm a people, a peculiar people. That means, you know, all the other translations, a people of his own. I am owned by God. Why? That I should show forth the praises of Him who's called me out of darkness into His marvelous light. Hallelujah. 
I'm, I'm, I, you know, these are these are the things that are happening here one week before Jesus is going to be crucified. And I remember, I never saw this before, and I shared this before, though, that when Jesus is doing the Passover, one of the things that was done in the Passover, and it was done in the Feast of Tabernacles, was uh, 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 responsive prayers from, um, from Psalm 118. One, one verse is, is, it says, um, We beseech thee, O Lord. And that word in the Hebrew, beseech, is rasha. And then the, the word, O Lord, uh, where it says, We beseech thee, O Lord, is rasha ana. means rasha ana. And rasha ana is what hosanna comes from. And this is what the people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And this is one of the priests says, do you hear what they're saying? Because it's their job, the priest's job, to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. The, the people had another response. It was both, and that's all out of Psalm 118. And Jesus, one of the things that Jesus is doing at the Passover is he will be doing these responsive things where he, as the priest, is doing responsive things, and the, and the other priests are doing other responsive things from Psalm 118. Now what's really amazing about that is a verse right there out of Psalm 118. It says, tie the sacrifice to the altar, to the horns of the altar. You know, the altar, boy, uh, was it David that made this or Adam? Deering. Adam made that. Adam made that. Beautiful, isn't it? Now we used it in Glory 2000. We had 50 dancers that were dancing in the Pepsi Arena celebrating the first day of the Glory 2000. And they did uh, the, 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 the thing of the Ark of the Covenant coming back to the Tabernacle of David. And you know something else, though, we didn't do? It's when the Ark of the Covenant was covered, covered by the priest. Do you know what else was co- uh, co- uh, take, uh, held by the priest? The Ark of the Covenant, they don't have the rings in it, but there's supposed to be rings on both sides. And the rings, the staves go through the rings, and the priest would carry the Ark of the Covenant, which is that right there. And then about 15 feet behind that was another little golden thing, and it was called the... the the censer, the golden censer that, co- that carried the incense that represented prayers unto God. And that was covered, that was carried by priests as well. But there was only two rings in it, one on each side. And what happens is sometimes they would go uphill, sometimes they would go downhill. And they had little notches in the pole where, they won't move, where the rings wouldn't move, but the when they would go uphill, the box, the box would be like this. And it would, be, it would carry inside the censer of the, of the prayers. Golden altar of incense is what it's called. And so the, there'd be ring on each side. And they would, put, they would have staves through those. And the priest would carry that. But the only thing is, when the, when the priest went up, 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 up hill. It didn't turn like this and go uphill because it only had one ring on each side. It would stay like this. 
And so it would go like this when it was going uphill, or go like this when it was going downhill. The golden altar of incense, those were our prayers, and we are the prayers. We have our prayers are as incense before God, and He bottles them in heaven. And what they should be is whether we're going uphill or downhill, they should be steady like this. If we're going to be priest unto God, and he says we're a royal priesthood, that we should show forth the praises of him. Part of our priestly responsibility is to be worshipers. All of this is connected together. You remember we said worship when I said crushing Satan's head is connected to the priesthood. Crushing Satan's head is connected to the body of Christ. The building, the temple, crushing Satan's head. Why did he say, when they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the job of the priesthood. Hosanna, Rasha Anna means, or means come Lord Jesus, and come Lord and save us quickly. Well, that's what the priest did. And the people are singing, Hosanna, Hosanna to Jesus as he's coming into the temple. That was one of those things. It was a sign to show you that the priest, and the, people, and the priest says, do you not hear what they're saying? They're angry because that's my job. And, well, you're, getting, you're, you're losing your job. And, and he's getting replaced and it went to us. If we don't do the job, what do you think is going to happen? And I'm not talking about the whole body of Christ losing. I'm just talking about us. You know, me. If I don't do my job, and what's my job? To praise and worship God. You know what the word for worship in the Old Testament is? Is to lay flat on your face, prostrate before our Heavenly Father. Why is that worship? Because see, what we are saying to God is how much, how much, how what He is worth. That is even what the word worship means in the Old English. You know, they took the words from the Greek, from the Latin, from the Hebrew. And they would translate these into English words. And there were words that they meant. And you know, you know in the beginning, you know what God wanted to learn, teach people how to read for? To read his Bible, to read his word. All right? And so it says the word worship in the, in the beginning was the word worth. And then it was the second word, Skype, worth. Skype, and then it became Worthy Skype, W-O-E-R-T-H-Y, Worthy Skype. And then it became Worth Skype, and then it became Worth Ship. And so the whole idea is proclaiming how great God is to you. How great is He? How important is He? Well, I just, sometimes I think, what, you know, I was listening, oh, I was listening to something beautiful. Of course, you always like, you always think something's beautiful when it's saying what you would be saying, you know. Everybody likes people agree with them. But I'm listening to this guy, and first of all, I love accents, especially British accents. I'm from the South, the only accent I don't really like is the Texas accent. <laughs> you know, sorry. I guess it's... <laughs> I, 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 uh, when I got to New York City, everybody called me the Midnight Cowboy. Then I went to the movie, and I wasn't happy about it anymore. <laughs> and so I tried to change my accent and started talking like a New Yorker, you know. 
And nobody knew I was from Texas anymore. But I love accents, and there's this British guy. I love British. Australian. And I love Australian. South African, you know, I love South African. Anyways, I can't tell which one he's from, but he, I think he's from Great Britain. And I didn't know this. He was a leader of a new band. Now, this is not new. The band isn't new. It's just new to me. And I want to recommend them. If you can get the Sons of Korah, Sons of Korah, listen to them. They sing mainly psalms. It's great. There's a beautiful story about the Sons of Korah in the Bible. And so he's talking about how God is, what God is worth. And then he was talking about when you have something, first of all, if you don't have a relationship with God where you are living how valuable He is to you, how worthy of praise, how worthy of honor, how worthy of glory, how worthy of, of, of declaring His magnificence he is our creator, our maker. He's the almighty God. He's the everlasting father, the prince. God is so worthy to be praised. If every, you know, <clears throat> there was a, 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 a hymn that was found written on the wall of a, a, a psychiatric sanitarium. It was written by somebody that was considered to be mad. And it became a psalm. And it said this, and I, I'm, not, I'm not giving you word for word. If the ocean was ink and every quill was a pen and every person alive was a, a, a scribe and the entire universe, the entire sky was a scroll and we wrote about the love of God, we would empty the ocean before we would run out of something to say. He's magnificent. He's worthy of our time. He's worthy of our praise. Royal priesthood that we show forth the praises of Him. And that's why they laid face down, is so that they would be proclaiming to God, you are worth more than anything. This is why Esau got passed over in the first place because that bowl of pottage was greater to him than the firstborn blessing. Are we going to make the same mistake? Now, this guy was preaching. The, the preacher, the British guy, get back to him. He's preaching and he says, uh, when we don't, if we don't have this relationship with God, this love relationship where we worship Him and praise Him and honor Him and glorify Him and love Him. That's another thing. It's, that's one of those points. Is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. This all fits together. So here's all these things fitting together. He says, if we don't have that, then we'll find another avenue by which to satisfy that hole in our lives. And that, that avenue, there's a, there's a name for that in the Bible. It's called idols. And when you're idle, if there's something in your life that's more important to you than God, that something is an idol in your life. 
<laughs> That's a distraction. The distraction is to take up the time, take up your uh, enjoyment, take up your fulfillment in something else besides God. Boy, can you imagine when we stand before Almighty God and have to give account for every idle word, every idle moment. We're not fulfilling our job as a priest. We're not fulfilling our job as a living stone in the body of Christ. We're not fulfilling our responsibility to crush Satan's head. We're not fulfilling our responsibility to restore the tabernacle of David that has fallen down. All right, did you have that uh, that Zechariah 9.9? Did I tell you to put that one up? We'll end with this, Zechariah 9.9. Zechariah 9.9. I want to show you how this fits together. We're going to go to 10, so when I tell you, get ready for 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold thy king. Cometh unto thee, he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt of an ass, a foal of an ass. Fulfillment of the prophecy, right? Where he comes into Jerusalem. They're singing Hosanna, Hosanna, right? Next verse, watch this. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. Do you see what's happening here? You know what he's saying there? I'm going to cut Jerusalem off. I'm going to cut Israel off. And he says, and why? And the, and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak, that is the Lord, the Messiah, the one that's riding in on a donkey, he shall speak peace to the heathen. That's us. <laughs> that's us. And he says, and what is he spoken? What's it for? Peace heathen to speak peace to the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea to sea. Do you see, even back there, he's explaining what's going to happen. Just from the riding in on the donkey. You see the transition that is starting to happen. Hello? And it says, his dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river even unto the ends of the earth. Now that's why he chose us, the heathen, the Gentiles, Edom, Esau. That's what it says when he says in, in, uh, in uh, Amos 9, that he's bringing Esau back into the fold to rebuild the tabernacle of David that has fallen down. That's us too. Hallelujah. That's beautiful and great. Oh, I don't know. Whoa, Wilbur. I'm not sure. Hello. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We want your dominion to be from sea to sea and from river even to the ends of the earth. Because why? Because you came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is that pretty incredible? Just because he come riding in and all that. Well, not just because, but that was from that beginning. 
to show I'm taking it away from Israel, giving it to you. Now what are you going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? And I don't care how old we are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how pretty you are. I don't care how ugly you are. Don't look at me. I'm not looking at anybody right now. How weak you are. Uneducated you are. I don't care what you've done in your past. God wants to use you in a mighty way. And what did he say? I've looked for a man among them. Ezekiel 32, 30. I've looked for a man among them. But you know what the worst part of that was? And I found none. Did you hear that? I looked for a man from among them that would make up the hedge and would stand in the gap from among them. I'm looking for a man or a woman, mankind, a woman that will stand in the gap, make up the hedge. Is he going to find none? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Ooh. Oh, Lord. I appreciate the fact that when you look for sin in my life, you find none because Jesus dealt with it. But Heavenly Father, I don't want you to find none when you look for somebody to stand in the gap and fill in the fill in the gap and fill in the hedge and make up the hedge. I want to be like Isaiah says, here am I, send me. That's such a terrible accusation against Israel. I looked for a man and found none. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're looking for a man. Lord, we want to be found. We look for you. We want to find you. We search for you as gold and silver. And all the things we could possibly desire on this earth are not worthy to be compared to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And as we break bread here today, may we be mindful that we're the bread. Oh yeah, we know that you're the bread, Lord. But we're the body. And just like the bread is, is, is torn apart, well, there's many pieces of the bread. And I'm not the whole loaf. You're the whole loaf. But I'm not the whole loaf. I'm just a piece of the loaf. Let us be mindful of that as we, as we break bread here today. And thank you for it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Did I make good progress going through Matthew 21? Yeah.
Hey. All I got is the donkey part, you know. Here he comes into, on the donkey. That's, that's enough. Amen? Hallelujah.